I used to do lots of things. I used to do things and I'd say things and Jesus I was evil. Say things and break things and Jesus I was evil. All right. Welcome everyone to the latest episode of the Reckless Musecast. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Garza. And I'm Joe's co-host, Ben D'Alessio. <laughs> All right. And then uh, with us today is Alex Maselli. Alex, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So uh, before we kind of dive into our topics, um, why don't you uh, talk to the audience a little bit about what you do and, and kind of uh, like the various realms that you work in? So I am pretty uh, eclectic in the things that I do. It's kind of why on uh, the internet, I call myself Alex Fall Trades, but I got started for the most part in writing fiction. So I have a bachelor's and a master's degree in creative writing fiction. Um, and I write novels. I don't have any published, <laughs> but yeah, I write novels and short stories. I've had some short stories published. I've had a play published. Um, I've had some poetry published. I've won some awards for some of my work. And I also am like a gaming streamer on yeah. YouTube and uh, am a big ad advocate on um, against woke ideology for writers and uh, against censorship by big tech and uh, the government. Oh. Which uh, right before we signed on here, you know, I was on Twitter like usual and I saw in Canada, they ceremoniously burned 30 books that are offensive to the indigenous population. So I always say, when you start burning books, your culture is always headed in the right direction. So congratulations, <laughs> Canada. Um, I can't wait, big things ahead. <laughs> and I'm sure, and I'm sure that very few, usually the case is that very few of the group uh, that you're purporting to help, let's say here, you know, the indigenous population here probably does not give a shit. Maybe right. a couple loud voices, but it's probably a bunch of white liberals who <laughs> want to make themselves feel better um, about well, it's a, It's a good, um, like, empty gesture to huh. yeah. uh, show your support of a group. It means nothing um, beyond the fact that you're okay with censorship and you're yeah. uh, supporting it. But it doesn't actually help anyone in the real right. world. It's usually so. just condescending anyway, and like yeah. like represents maybe a fraction of, uh, of a population's views. But you know, uh, I feel like a lot of groups just get like lumped together. It's like, hey, you know, we don't all think the same. Like, you know, some of us think this, some think that. We see that. I feel like we saw that here with the um, like all different sorts of Native American symbolism and mascots and things like that where it's like they take polls like 95 percent are actually not only okay with a certain mascot but like it because it mm. celebrates it and then some are more racist like some more caricature-y ones um that are offensive but it's not just like wipe out all things that are it actually ends up hurting the the people that you want to help or they say they help you know take away all native american names or, or something and then it's like well now you're just erasing us which you already did that once like now right. you have to symbolically do it well, yeah sort of like the land of lakes thing where they took the yeah, native american yeah. off of it and oh. I, the jokes were just amazing they they got rid of the indian and they kept the land <laughs> 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 so, so, 
Yeah. Well, here's, there's another example of this. Um, a friend of mine just went to Disneyland recently and the Jungle Cruise ride has been uh, wokeified. Um, so they got rid of like the, the African native animatronics and then they replaced them with white characters. And so it's just kind of like, like, how is this better? Like, you got rid of the black characters and you replaced with white characters? Like, yeah. but that's well, like, it's, it's such a weird thing. Yeah, and actually the new one, the pirates start a, a charity for the people yeah. that they're pillaging <laughs> instead, of, instead of raping them. Well, um, they did have a problem with the, the, the prostitution in the pirates ride. I remember that they were yeah. complaining about it. And I was like, wait, is, is that something that didn't happen? Right. Yeah, right. it's, also, it's also very tongue in cheek. Like I don't like I don't think anybody went on that ride leaving and then and then went and go. You know, I think selling women. I think that's actually a good thing. I think like nobody does yeah, that. For, forcing forcing women into forcing women into skin slavery is what I wanted to dedicate my life to. I, I, I was on there. I don't remember that. I was on that ride as a kid. I remember pirates because they're fun. I don't remember <laughs> any of that other stuff. It's for like forty five year old MSNBC wine moms to bitch about in, in yeah. the Facebook groups. I do yeah. remember anyway. the one of the pirates chasing one of the prostitutes, but it looked like she had a smile on her face because it was like a sex game essentially. Yeah. But I don't. I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I wasn't like upset by it as a woman. Right. That didn't bother me, and it never has. It's very cartoony. It's very, you know, he's chasing her like around like a pillar or something. It came off as like a Looney Tunes gag rather than like anything else. Like, it, but, uh, yeah, that's that's the thing. That's the that's the big problem that women are facing these days: being chased by pirates. Yeah, <laughs> only in Somalia. <laughs> <laughs> but getting back to the literary thing. Um, I just, funnily enough, I just watched a video essay. I think it was by Nerd Writer. Um, but it was, it was, uh, it was, it was about, I thought, how... hold on, sorry. I thought I heard a cat and I'm glad I wasn't sure if it was one of mine. I was like, uh, I hear a cat. <laughs> Missy's in everything I do. She can't help herself. Oh, she's sweet. Uh, um, sorry, but anyway, sorry, uh, I, I just watched this video essay and it was about how, like, like the controversies around the Harry Potter books and how basically like they're one of the most banned books or book series in America and for like the stupidest reasons. And, and, but, but it's funny cause I mean, it's, most of the censorship, it, it didn't even touch on like the anti-JK Rowling thing or any of the trans stuff. It was just coming from like the religious right and how yeah, they believe that the book was. Yeah, and how the, like they sorcery. the book was. Yeah, it was exactly. an anti-witchcraft, anti-Satanism thing. Yeah. So are they, being, are they being censored for another reason now or is it still the, the religious right? Uh, now it's because JK Rowling is supposedly anti-trans right right okay, not, so exactly that, that's what i thought because i was no. like they so harry potter i mean i'm gonna say it can't win it's one of the most popular books of all time but like yeah. now it's getting it from both sides because when i was growing up that yeah. was the big thing and that was like the good old days when the right wing censored everything yeah, yeah. And like it seemed like the left stood for free speech and now it's yeah. the total opposite i feel like there's still a faction of the religious right you saw little of it come out during the um uh uh little nas x video when he mm. gets a lot of things oh, yeah. to say in Yep. Um, but then he kills Satan at the end. So, I mean, what's better than that yeah. for the religious, uh. right? But, uh, yeah, so a little bit come out there. I was like, oh, my God, it's like 1996 again. Like, this feels yeah. good. Uh. But uh, <laughs> but now it's, yeah, the, the left wing is, is now censoring Harry Potter. Yeah. And I'm here for it. They what? have way more control, though, than the right oh, has yeah. in recent memory. Like, in, in my lifetime, the right has never had the kind of cultural power that the left does now to censor. Right. Yeah. So to me, it feels maybe a the lot. 80s. I was like the it, 80s was the last time the right had a, a, a 
foothold on culture. Like, yeah. like not just politics, but culture. And now it's not even close. And Joe and I talk about this pretty often on the podcast. And I did want to get into, because we do, we lean in. I mean, we, we lay in heavy to the left wing on censorship right. a lot here. But there is right wing censorship. But, right. it, but we always come back to the point that you just made, Alex, is that, yeah, but the right doesn't control culture. Like, not right. even close. The left wing right. controls Hollywood and education and um, the media, you know, the media and they every control the publishing world entirely. And, oh my oh. God. The publishing world. I probably mm-hmm. comment on, I'm surprised everyone blocks me out on publishers weekly because <laughs> every other post they, every other tweet they make, I'm just like making some comments. Cause every other tweet they do is, is woke. It's something yeah. woke. Yeah. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. Good for them for not blocking me yet, but I know. It's <laughs> <laughs> Eventually. Uh, well, and that's yeah. the thing too, though, is that I've had people say to me, but there's so many anti-woke fic, uh, nonfiction books getting published. And I'm like, that's nonfiction. That's the real world. world. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah, and so so Alex, I, I'm also a fiction writer. Um, I wanted I I've I published a few uh, four novels. I actually just came out with a short story today. Um, a lot of different short stories, and then I do some nonfiction things. Um, but do you have a certain area that you typically write in, or are you just all over the place? I, like I when am. it comes to fiction, I'm a magical realist writer. Okay. Almost entirely. Um, I have written some romance novels and dab- dabbled in that just because it's fun. It's like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not as serious, it's not as intense as writing something like magic realism, which is more literary. Um, but, and I feel like I, at this point, ha- would have a higher chance of success as a romance novelist than I would as a traditional literary novelist because of the way yeah. the publishing world works right now. Do you have any kind of insider? So I don't traditionally publish when I don't have the patience for it. I don't want, I wanted publish exactly what I want to publish. Um, obviously that doesn't mean I, I have two editors, you know, I go through the editing process and I hear their advice for grammar, you know, they control everything. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for my story and my voice and my message, I want to put out there exactly what I put out there. I actually had a short story accepted into, um, a, a, not, not like a huge publication, a Canadian one, um, but you know, something that I would be proud of to put in my bio or whatever. And they wanted me to change too much of it. And I said, no, I'll pull it then. Like I don't, and not in like a woke way at all, but in just uh, well, this is why I want you to, and I'm like, that would completely change the satire, like the satirical tone of the story. So no, that's not what I want to punish. I'm like, I don't care. I, I don't know if they're, they're paying me like hundred bucks or something. I'm like, no, I'd rather put the story out there that I want to put out there. So, um, so I, my, my question is, as someone who does traditionally publish more, do you have any insight on the craziness that goes on in the publishing world? Well, a lot of it has to do with who you know. So like I, gatekeepers. Um, uh-huh. yes, there's a lot of gatekeeping involved. I've met um, a huge amount of authors. Many of them debut, uh, many of them around my age because um, I was for so long after grad school, so starry eyed about it that I like got involved, like really involved. And it wore me down because I noticed these trends. None of them were straight white males unless they were already established years ago. Mm-hmm. So like Terry Brooks, who is an awesome human being, by the way, I didn't meet him. Uh, he was probably one of the, the best authors that I met uh, for how he talked to people. But then um, I met so many debut authors and they were they were all of them 
pushing this idea, this ideology. Uh, they were all woke. They all went to grad school, every single one of them, like me. Um, but they knew someone. They all knew someone. And that's how they got their... Their privilege. Public. But of course, yeah. they wouldn't admit to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and if you think about it, the woke ideology is what got them into these prestigious schools in the first place. Mm -hmm. Because, oh, that's what's great to the school to have this diversity and then yeah. then publishing a like i one author who i actually like like most of these authors i don't have anything against them as people and um because they're they've all when i met them they all seem like very reasonable people but they were all like kind of a product of how the system is working so one of them said that he was trying to get his novel published and a lot of people told a lot of publishers told him that they wanted him to rewrite it as an immigrant story um <laughs> as it seems like when was this how long ago was this uh this was 2019 okay wow because that actually well you, you can keep going but that does su surprise me uh -huh. that either that means wait so where does an immigrant story but like still not as like a uh, an anonymous or under a pen name, right? Like still the same. Yeah, that seems well, like the opposite of what now is acceptable because now you have to only write your truth, even if it's fiction. Yeah, yeah, that's true, and that's one of my problems with writing today. I read a, a, yeah. most of these debut novels, and they're all incredibly boring. Um, and it's like I hate to say it because I like these people, but for the most part, the novels are not good. <laughs> and that's right. the worst tragedy of it all is yeah. that they're not good and uh they 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 lack plot they, yep. i don't you, in that first chapter you should know what you're waiting for right and there there's none of that so by the time i get to the end of the novel i'm kind of like i'm i'm what like are, why did i waste my time with this i feel like i got nothing out of this what are and, the trends that that you're seeing in these debut novels that are like besides no plot uh, well, and immigrant stories are incredibly popular. Uh, <laughs> that's a huge one. Uh, sure. Girls coming of age stories, mm. which mm. I find very annoying. I know <laughs> someone had said to me, a man, a, a straight white man had said to me that he was like, I love these stories because I was not a, uh, a young girl. And I'm like, I was. Why do you think I want to read this like a thousand times? I've experienced it. I've lived it. I don't need to read about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of the problem with that. It's like, I don't actually, like, as someone who writes, I don't, I, and people talk about this whole representation thing, seeing yourself in this stuff. And I'm like, I don't need them to have gone through the exact same experience as me for me to see myself in the novel, you right. know, to connect to it. That's not, like... Uh, immigrant stories, a lot of them have the theme, it's the exact same thing, that it's hard to communicate. Now, I get that. I, I have never been outside of the U.S., uh, but I have a learning disability, and sometimes it's it was a struggle for me growing up, really, to communicate with people. So to me, that is something I can connect to, and it has nothing to do with my demographic you know, racially or, or from what nation. Right. And I think a lot of people sure. pretend as if you have to see everything of yourself in a, in a medium to really enjoy it. And it's like, that's not true at all or right. to connect to it. And it's like, that's stupid. I have so many male characters that I've connected to in the past, mm -hmm. uh, gay characters, whatever, you know, take your pick. 
yeah. something that's not me that I could connect to, but they are acting as if that's impossible now. <laughs> and I'm like, isn't that yeah. the point of right. writing? <laughs> right. No, I, I completely agree. And, and Ben and I have talked about this uh, in, in, in other contexts as well. But, but one of the things that I've always admired about really good storytelling, whether it's in a novel or a TV show or a movie or, or even a video game, even, but like where you have like the main character, even if the main character is of a completely different gender, sexuality, race, different time period, um, that's completely different from you as the reader. But if the, you know, the, the original author is willing to be like, okay, but I'm going to dig deeper. I'm going to find something universal about this, this character where it's like anybody can read it at any time period and be like, oh, you know, I actually relate to this. I can read this and, and something about it still resonates with me. I think that's, 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 that, you know, that's a sign of an author who's, 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 who's put in the work to dig deep into like what the human condition is and not just be like, oh, well, I, you know, I'm a gay man. So I'm going to write the story that's only for gay men. And if people don't, you know, versus, and I want people who aren't gay men to understand how difficult it is to be a gay man. It's like, no, I thought, I know, I also think that, that, that writing in a more universal sense, um, like that helps break down the barriers and helps other people who are not you understand you better. I'm like, oh, and even though you, you might have a different race than me you know, we actually, we actually have similar experiences here. It's, it's almost like, so bear with me on, on this comparison. So like there's there used to be this concept in economics called like mercantilism. And it was basically like, there's a big pie out there of all of the resources and money um, and trade and all of that. And it's like, this was kind of the 1600s, 1700s were like, well, if the Dutch owned this much, then the English couldn't control this much and the French could. So basically it was like, well, that's why they always were fighting each other and all of that. And, I'm, and that's really not the case. Like resources and money, I think goes up and down and the pie can get bigger. Like, and that's kind of what I'm feeling like is going on with culture now where it's like, well, if you write, if you're, if you're a straight white man and you write a story about a, a gay black woman, then you took that story away from the next gay black woman. Although, like, no, she can write that story too. And there can be two stories. And maybe one, the one by the actual gay black woman, is, is authentic. And then that will resonate better with the readers. That's fine. Like, no one's saying that you're free of criticism, for instance. My, but, um, you know, the, the fact that you're taking away the piece of the pie from fiction, it, it just doesn't make sense. It's not grounded in reality. For instance, I wrote um, my, my first novel. I, I, I have one character. I have one character who's like a young straight white guy, kind of the same age I was when I was writing it or a little younger. And then I had an a, a Algerian Muslim character and I did research and I wrote about it. And if an Algerian Muslim reads that and says, well, this isn't authentic, this, this would never happen. Well, that's on me and that's fine. You can criticize, criticize it for that. But just because I wrote it doesn't make it wrong. And that's the problem. It's all about the superficial diversity or lack thereof, like, like you said, Alex, like, oh, they, they want all diversity. You know, they, they, they want the most superficial diversity of skin color and gender and religion, not diversity of substance. They, they need everything to sound the same because the second you get one of these quote unquote diverse people saying something or writing something heterodox or, you know, that goes against the, or, yeah, it goes against the orthodoxy. Well, then there are um, Larry Elder, the black face of white supremacy, which was actually right. was actually a headline yeah. in mm -hmm. the Los Angeles Times, yep. yeah. which how is that not the most offensive thing you could possibly say about them? But yeah, it's OK, because yeah. he doesn't fall under the proper diversity. He's the wrong type of diversity. Yep. Diversity of thought is what is not desired. Exactly. And, which uh, is true diversity. 
Yes, that is true diversity. It also is true uh, tolerance and acceptance because of the fact that if you assume based on someone's, you know, demographics, what they're thinking, that's not acceptance. That's not yes. tolerance. That's, that's fucking racism. Yeah. That's exactly. like racism. It's when Joe, bigoted. When, when Joe Biden says, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. And he yeah. said, ain't. How is that the most like, racist shit you right. could ever say? But yet it's okay. Yeah, you got a little criticism for that. But like, how is that acceptable? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where, where it's unbelievably racist, where it's like your skin color d- determines your your thoughts. And it's like, isn't that the fundamental racist idea that your skin color is, is the thing that determines your character? Like, like yeah. but, 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 you know, you hear this all the time in, you know, in, in major companies of like, well, we want to bring in more uh, uh, people of color because, you know, we want a black perspective. We want a Hispanic perspective. It's like, yeah, but there's not one. It's like there's one singular perspective yeah. that, that dominates every race. You know what the perspective should be? The yeah. perspective should be, if you're in a company, making money. That's yeah. what the company is. <laughs> yes. if, it's, if it's a nonprofit, it's helping the, the client or the charity or whatever it is. Yeah. Or if you're a university, it's educating the students. Like that's yeah. the, the, what, what you're looking for. That's the perspective or, or those things. Right. Because they right. should yes. all align. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is when you convert a system or or an idea to push an ideology over what it's actually supposed to be doing you're you're setting it up for failure the problem is is when everything does that so then you have this you know mono monolithic monopoly kind of idea where like every academy you know every nonprofit and every entertainment organization is put has converted from producing what they're supposed to produce to producing propaganda and you know pushing ideology and essentially right now the traditional publishing world especially for literary novels has converted they converted yeah at least two decades ago i'd say i think they were one of the first to fall actually well well and i know I brought this up last episode. I think the best example of this, uh, Alex, I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with the situation where um, there was a, a, a white, I'm assuming straight male author of, of poetry. And I forget his name. I should know, but I forget his name. But he was publishing poems or trying to publish poems or get them into magazines or prize or whatever it was and just kind of getting rejected, rejected, rejected. Um, and then he, all he did was change his name to something like overtly Chinese, um, like very obviously Chinese, didn't change a word of any of the poems, not a word oh. of substance, immediately started getting accepted. That's all that changed was the name. And that just shows that it's not about the, the content of the, the substance of the work, it's just about the identity of the author, which right. is well, like, that, should, that would offend me if I was the, the group you're trying to help. Because it's like, well, you're not actually publishing this on my work. You're just publishing it on my name or my picture or whatever that is. But anyway, what were you going to say? I was like, so my first name is Alex. I can't, it's not actually Alexandra or Alexis or anything like that. It's Alex. So when I, and this has happened to me frequently, when I send in work and then they, and if they do it blind and then they accept me and then they assume I'm a man until they contact me. And on and and then like this happens to me on the internet, even when my face is there, where people mm. think I'm a man until I tell them otherwise. Mm. And 
uh, it has totally shown me that people are incredibly sexist about against men. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and part of me does wonder, are these people, when they look at my name and they see my name is Alex, are they assuming? Because a lot of people do assume already that I am a man and it's obvious that I'm a white person with my last name, Maselli. So it's like, is it, is that what it is? Like, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Should I start publishing under my middle name, which is more feminine? <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, pro- probably if, if it was just if it was just about getting published. Um, what? So, Alec, do you mind sharing? Do, or do you live in California? No, you, I live in Arizona. Oh, you live in Arizona. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, is because I, I was going to say I, California, really the West Coast, just has this kind of a different kind of progressivism that I'm I'm in a blue state, a very I'm in New Jersey, a very blue state, but like it's not the same here. It feels like. Uh-huh. Um, I, I don't know. Arizona's though kind of a mix. It's traditionally very red, but I know has kind of flipped somewhat in the national scale. What what's the culture like there? So I live in Phoenix, which is sure. the the biggest populous center yeah. in the entire state, and it is blue. Um, yeah. It wasn't when before I left for college. <laughs> um, it was okay. sort of a mix. It was more purple, which I didn't mind. I felt like that was actually kind of nice. I like sure. a more balanced. Uh, environment because i'm not a republican or a democrat mm-hmm. um but uh now um i live in maricopa county which is one of the places that used dominion voting uh and um or you know that if you want to edit that to say something like the the voting system that people are questioning <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but um so for me I noticed, so I was, I was involved in a lot of artsy stuff here before um, everything got locked down. And I was starting to get more and more upset with how it worked and how people were so intense about certain subjects and just mean. And because I've always been kind of in the center that I was like, why are you acting like the other side is essentially evil? That huh. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, you really honestly think like 50% of the population is evil, that your neighbors sure. are evil. That doesn't make any sense to me. Right. And, yeah. and I noticed it in the writing and I, I noticed it in the so-called art and uh, the way people talked about it. And it was funny too, because there were a lot of people who were like actually Mexican who were like a lot, nicer about it and were huh. and some of them were like well maybe like when the american dirt thing happened oh yeah we, yeah we've talked about that yeah yeah. Cummins, yeah yeah uh one of them said well maybe there are no good mexican uh immigrant novels <laughs> and that was a mexican <laughs> guy who said that to me <laughs> and i was like i like yeah. uh, bless me ultima but okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it, I mean, so to me, it was kind of weird because it's it's almost entirely the yuppies, the white yuppies who are like sure. this. And a lot of them are from California. People have been moving to Phoenix from California f- for as long as I've been alive yeah. uh, because it's cheaper here. Yeah. And like for yeah. the longest time, realty was our number one uh, industry mm. because we have so much land that you yeah. could just keep expanding and expanding. So people would come here from california and by land and i think that's why it turned blue mm. in maricopa yeah the rest of the the rest of the state is red <laughs> oh yeah and, and so like a lot of our representatives are actually red like in the state representatives and uh 
I honestly want to leave. <laughs> I want to leave Phoenix because I'm I, there's it they're so blue and they're so echo chambered. It, yeah. So <laughs> so have you noticed like yeah? Because well, when you said yeah, ha half the country is evil, and I always like to bring up. So it was from 2008 through to 2016. We were not racist because we <laughs> voted for Obama. <laughs> we were racist and now we're not again but if i think it came out today that there's leaked that trump is very much going to run for president again 2024 huh. so we're going to probably be racist again if i'm keeping track <laughs> <if anyone. laughs> so I, I, I just want to know are we a racist country or are we not a racist country and i, I honestly don't know well, a lot of this, like, I, I did a lot of political study just to see what was going on and everything, especially when it came down to why the 26th election was the way it was. And um, I found that, um, like, a lot of this goes back even to the 70s, this idea that um, saying the other side's evil and this is very specific to the left saying this of the right, morally evil, that they hate people, that they want them to die, um, just to essentially make, the, make us a one party country. And it's hilarious because now I'm reading another book and it talks about uh, Texas succeeding. And uh, one of the things they talk about is that when Bush won, Bush uh, W, uh, yeah. California talked about exiting the United States and that was like a reasonable idea but it's never a reasonable idea for a red state to leave oh yeah <laughs> there, there are tweets of Nancy Pelosi saying that the election was stolen in, in 2016 right like so it there's always a double-edged sword um and a, a double standard for, for these issues but so have you does does Phoenix have a big uh, most cities do now like a big art scene it does yeah uh, has the identity politics like crept into that too where like in san francisco for instance a the curator i think it was the head curator of the san francisco museum of art or something like yeah, one of the big ones joe yeah do you know what i'm talking about i um, i wrote an article about it yeah he, he like jokingly said don't worry we're not getting rid of all the white art as in saying we're bringing in lots of non-white art but we're not and he got he had to yeah, fired. Like he had to well, leave. He had to resign. Yeah, he had to resign, yeah, yeah. Had to resign yeah, under yeah. like yes, resign under pressure is being fired. Like it's the yeah. same thing. <laughs> that is. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. so, by saying, "Don't worry, we're not getting rid of all the white, you know, art. Not white art. Art by white people." Yeah. <laughs> and he had to resign. Like, has, have you seen that in the in the Phoenix area? Uh, that kind of craziness. Pride happened. They didn't want any police officers there. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I, mean, I know that happened in, in New York. I didn't realize that happened. Well, in like, they said they wanted them there, but out of uniform. And it was like, um, then they have no authority to do anything. Like, yeah. you just want private security, hire private security. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I was part of a book club at a major um, uh, uh, bookstore here that is very into debut authors and indie art and all this stuff. They have art on the walls by local artists and stuff for sale. And I, I like, it wore me down. Like at, in January of 2021, yeah, this year, I was like, 
if I have to keep doing this, if I keep going to this book club, I'm going to shoot myself. I hate Mm. this so much. This is making me hate fiction. And part of the reason why is that it was like, it was mostly uh, women in their 40s and 50s, white. um, Wine moms. (laughs) (laughs) And and very liberal. And they kept reading all these books. It's kind of like, actually in the past, how like, you they would only they would have black artists perform for entirely white audiences and they Mm. would pat themselves on the back about how like you know progressive they were or how liberal they were right (laughs) and you know then that black artist moves into their neighborhood they're you know nimby and calling the police when he's moving his his stuff in yeah exactly that's how it it was starting to feel and Actually, what happened is that the woman who ran the the um, the book club, who uh, is a book reviewer for a newspaper, wrote an article about how we're using the word Orwellian wrong. <laughs> and I was like, and I liked her. We were close, mm-hmm. we were close for me. I'm not. I don't get close to people very often. Mm-hmm. But uh, except for and us. I was, yeah. What? Except, <laughs> except for us. us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're best friends now. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah, but um, so I, I, <laughs> I was friend. like, I was so shocked and just upset that I was like, this is just propaganda. This is just. Uh, Do you remember her definition of Orwellian? Like how well, we're she brought in an expert. One oh, expert yes, good. on Orwell. Oh my god, the fucking bullshit. Excellent. <laughs> see that's the thing back in college i think i was like i think i was 20 i think i read this thing about um ansel adams where someone found some ansel adams negatives in a garage sale and he was like ah i have ansel adams work i can and it's never been seen before i can sell it and make money and the ansel adams foundation said no that's not really ansel adams so then they go to court over it and they both bring an expert <laughs> to say yeah. whether or not it's Ansel Adams and they and of course their experts are saying opposite things and I was like yeah. experts just say whatever the person who hired them want them the clients paying them for yeah right yeah right. so to me the word expert means essentially nothing right, like, right this is a highly educated person who will whose opinion is for, for sale hmm. so when she and and then also bringing in one expert when you're talking about like uh something that's up for debate and you supposedly want to get the debate out there is such bullshit to Mm. act like oh yeah we're doing our job you know to bring this to the forefront it's like no you're not you're absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) hey guys so real quick um so uh yeah wait why did this why did this happen this didn't happen last time the stupid zoom thing yeah, I'm seeing it. Yeah, I don't know why. So um, in a few minutes, it's going to kick us off, and then we're we'll going to have to redo it again. We're we'll going to have to jump, jump back. Why don't we just it. end it now, then, so we're not like the middle of a sentence? Yeah, let's just do that, and then uh, um, and then right. there will be a few more minutes, because uh, then it also has to convert to a video. So it'll be like another five minutes or so. So sorry, I, I don't know why there's the stupid group chat thing that has a stupid time limit. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, we will continue this conversation uh, in just a few minutes. Go. Okay. All right. And we're back. All right. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, um, this all this talk of like representation and like seeing yourself in a story reminds me of something I just saw today. Where the hell is? Oh yeah, here we are. Um, 
So this is from an article in the Sydney Morning Herald. And is that Sydney, Australia? I'm assuming. Oh my, Joe. Yeah. No Australian shit on the podcast. <laughs> I, I, I told you. I openly discriminate against Australians. But fine, go ahead. Um, come on, it's my birthday. Uh, I, I'm sorry. You're Australian and your Australian heritage. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so I guess there's uh, a show called Normal People, and I guess it's based on oh, something. Normal People? Yeah. I, okay. Uh, I read the novel for that book club. And Sally Rooney? I, yep. And yep. I read and I watched the TV show, and I actually reviewed it on my channel. Okay. Both of them. Um, did you enjoy it? Do you like it? Yeah. No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good. You're going to love this. <laughs> Um, so the reason I bring it up is because this article in the Sydney Morning Herald um, is uh, the article is called uh, "Surely There Are Better Literary Heroes for Our Generation Than Sally Rooney." Um, so Sally Rooney is the author of the original novel, and here's an excerpt from it that 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 someone uh, this is the New Liberals posted on the on their Twitter feed. Um, Normal People is about two white, able-bodied, beautiful, straight people mulling about how hard it is to be straight, white, able-bodied, and straight. Um, and, but it's like, what kind of a loser reads a book or watches a show or a movie and goes, eh, I don't like the story because it's about, yeah. it's because of their skin color or it, 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 she's it, it, Irish. Yeah. And it's about <laughs> Irish people. <laughs> Why aren't there more indigenous to North America right. uh, people in this Irish story? Yeah. And also, okay. To be fair, the, the novel is mostly about power dynamics and it, and it, it actually does a good job with this where it, it talks about the shifting power dynamics between the fact that he's poor, she's rich, but mm. she's a girl, and he's a guy. Mm. And then, oh, she's from a, an, a home with abuse and he has a loving mother, but he doesn't have a father. And it, so it's kind of like that. I, I feel like Sally Rooney does a really good job with like shifting it back and forth. Like right. um, the idea that in certain situations she's doing better and others he's doing better they're both very intelligent people right and they keep dancing around each other they have this will they won't they bullshit going on yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but there is a couple of problems with that novel but i wouldn't say it's because they're straight white beautiful people <laughs> at all <laughs> that, to me that's not the issue with it like for one thing I don't know what I'm waiting for in that novel. By the time you reach the end, you're like, this novel could go on longer or yeah. could end earlier. Like there's right. no real ending to it, which that's a that's a problem with craft. Right. And the other thing I had a problem with is that it presents this idea, and this is gonna sound really weird, uh, that BDSM is uh that is sexist and misogynistic. That really? it's all about women getting victimized by men because they were victimized as children by men. And it's like, right. well, first of all, the fact that dominatrix exists right. completely yeah. throws that out. Yeah. And secondly, why do you care? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have, have you heard of that book, Fifty Shades of Grey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of popular, kind of single handedly saved Barnes and Noble like eight, nine years ago. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. They say that book's sexist too. Yeah, then we have a lot of sexist in the world because that <laughs> book was really popular. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I And I agree. And this just fucking filters into everything. So uh, 
much to my chagrin, I watched the CNN, which is complete garbage. Mm. They did put out some good like documentary series a few years ago that I enjoyed. There's one about like the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. and it like basically the decades going up to the modern day that yeah. seemed fairly like balanced. Like I almost kind of forgot it was CNN, but yeah. these came out a, a while ago. I'm being serious. Yeah. Right. yeah. And then they came out another one about movies. Um, the movie, And I'm a huge movie fan. Joe and I talk about this. Like I, I write little uh, reviews about movies. I watch m- multiple movies a week. Um, so I, I like that too. But now they just came out with one about sitcoms. And because it just came out, this is like past the great awakening. And you can see that they just dismiss extremely popular shows. So I'm a big fan. I know it's kind of corny, but I really like How I Met Your Mother. I, I very, it makes me happy. I, I enjoy it. I, it's, I know nice. it's It's not the best show, but I, I like it. They talk about it for like five seconds being like, well, it's again just about uh, a bunch of straight white people in the city and they really missed the mark here. They could have done more. Th- and then done that show like 13 fucking seasons, like yeah. 25 episodes each, extremely popular. And that's all you're going to say about it? Yeah. Oh, because there are no groups of straight white friends in cities. That doesn't we, exist anymore. You want to talk about friends. diversity when it comes to How I Met Your Mother? This is something that I picked up on that I loved. Robin is child-free. There aren't a lot of yeah. child-free characters on TV. So to, yes. and as a child-free woman, I was like, And she's wow, career-centric. Hey. And she's career-centric. That's a yeah. huge part of the show yeah. is that she gives up love multiple times because it would burden her uh, her reporting career or anchor career or whatever yeah. it is. Yes, there's a lot of... Uh, it's just the fact... My, my point isn't to necessarily defend how I met your mother because I don't need to. It's the, it's the fact that they make this whole show about sitcoms. That's all I have to say about it. Yeah. Because, you know, it doesn't fit the... And also, it's a representation. Barney, who is a womanizer in the show, is a gay man. Neil Patrick Harris is a gay man, yeah. and he plays a straight guy. And that's great. And he's yeah. fantastic as it. He right. is very as good it. as Barney. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a breakout role. Like, he was always Doogie Hauser, and then suddenly yes. it's like he's Barney to everybody now. Yeah. The, and besides that's actually Doogie a Hauser, good thing. <laughs> yeah, besides Doogie Hauser, like, he played himself in... Uh, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle like as a cameo thing where he's like a big jerk you know that that mm-hmm. always plays over real well when characters play themselves or people play them actors play themselves and then they go against uh, their reputation like Michael yeah. Sarah and uh, this is the end where he's like a huge asshole and Michael Sarah is the reputation of you know Michael Sarah. There's one yeah. on HBO I can't remember the name of the show where Daniel Radcliffe did that where he acted like a huge like womanizer really? constantly yeah. and yeah and it was it's like, like it Harry was Potter. obviously a joke <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but and, 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 and a note on representation I think people honestly forget what that term means and when you really like for instance in Congress God forbid I never talk about Congress again on the show yeah. but in Congress, representation literally means the person is representing to the best of their ability what their constituents want, whether that's 51% or 99%, and it represents a relative number of a population. That's why a state like Wyoming only has one congressman or congresswoman, and California has however many because they're representing maybe 400-some thousand. I forget what the number is, but it's something like that. If we're talking about culture and movies and art and music i can't think of any maybe the nba is the only place that has more representation for instance for black people where it's like they represent 13 percent of the population you think that they don't make up 13 percent of actors and actors like in movies and star like watch tv it's way more 
than they actually represent. So the last, maybe CEO, uh, CEOs and entrepreneurs and stuff, there's not representation there or whatever. That's a whole economic issue. But you're talking about music and culture. I can't think of a more uh, of a place more outside uh, uh, an area of culture where certain populations make up a more outsized role, like the, the LGBT population and, and arts and theater, especially. Yep. They make up approximately maybe five to 10% of the population. I think that's being generous. Yeah. And they're half of the theater world, if not more. Right. So it's just like, I think people forget what representation actually means. Like right. indigenous, right? Indigenous people make up like a fraction of a fraction of a percent. Yeah, they aren't, if we did actual representation for them, we wouldn't see them. Right. So, yeah. so they actually get more <laughs> representation by, and that, I think that's good. I think that's fine. Yeah. Right. I think it gets so ridiculous. Like, look at Oscar nominations. You think that minorities aren't making up their represent, their literal representation of these categories? That, that's absurd. That's just not true. So I think we just have to change. And that's a good way you can argue back with them. Like, look at, you know, next time it's Oscar so white. Well, actually, they make up a huge percentage of these categories. Right. So. Well, you know, I mean, it, and, 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 it's a weird standard that they want where we're so so it, 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 if they do want the arts and, and pop culture to 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 reflect the demographics of say like the you of, of the u.s you know like you said blacks make up like around 12.5 or 13 percent of the u.s population does that mean that they want the cutoff of black representation in pop culture to be 13 percent where it's like okay but, I, but it's like so well who cares yeah. as long as it's, it's like you know, I wouldn't even care if it's 50 or 80 percent or whatever or however much, but it's like, as long as uh, it's good, you know, music and yeah, film and TV shows. Like, That's yeah. well, sort of like, if you look at um, how feminists uh, view academia, uh, right now academia is almost entirely dominated by women. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. Men make up the most dropouts. They make up... Yeah. Uh, like Seventy nine percent, or something like that, or yeah. You see, yeah, the statistic that came out yesterday where it's actually going to be overwhelmingly the the largest group to drop out and to not go to college now is, is white men. Yeah, and it, it's going to be, and it's been more female for years. Yeah, and now it's becoming more, you know, non white and female, and so where, you know, where's going to be the white male representation? And no one's going to give a shit, and that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's the that's but, the thing is that they only care about representation for these special groups, and yes. I I have a serious problem with that. And it's like, oh. I and like a, a lot of people are like, well, why do you care, Alex? You're not a man. You don't have sons or whatever. And it's like because they're people, and there's a problem with the world when a huge chunk. I'm sorry, that's a huge chunk of the population is so disenfranchised. Yeah. They're not that that have this avenue that they feel is closed to them that they're yeah. dropping out yeah. and not going to college. You guys talk constantly talk about college as the the avenue to success to a, a good life, and you're basically saying we don't need them to have that. Now, I don't actually agree with the idea that college is the only avenue to a good mm -hmm. life, and in fact, can be an avenue to a bad one. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Having taught college. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and uh, but my problem is, is that they act as though I shouldn't care. And it's like, you want me to care about people who have nothing to do with me already. So yeah. why, why can't I choose those people? Right. I, right. I think all these issues, it's always, a, a, I'm of the belief that the, the, what's usually framed in race and gender and all these things is all BS and pretext for class. I, I truly believe, you know, like, 
I think that these institutions, they want to stay elite, right? Because that's what, and, and one of the big um, affirmative action cases, the, I forget which, if it's a law school or the undergrad, but it was the Michigan, University of Michigan for both cases, uh, Scalia came out and said a while ago, you know, he said, if you really wanted to diversify for, you know, not to not tokenize people because they're always like, you know, the, the handful, but if you, if you really want to do that, you could easily do that. You could just put in however many, you could just accept people based on their race, but you don't want to do that because you want to stay elite. <laughs> you want, and, and that's not adding up. Like that's not keeping you elite if you did that. So now you're trying to kind of to skirt around that. Um, and I think that these institutions, you know, if they don't give a shit about, you know, actually having diverse class perspectives, they want the wealthy uh, diversity and not, you know, they don't, they don't want white people from Appalachia and no. they don't want, um, you know, the, the poor Latinos from Miami or whatever. They, they want the wealthier ones because it's going to keep their institutions elite. Cause if they start letting in anyone, then they're going to lose their, their um, panache, right. Their cachet, whatever, whatever it is. Right. Um, so I think all these issues are always just, and that's why institutions and corporations uh, they love it. They love diversity trains because they actually don't have to change anything. No. They have to put up <laughs> yeah. some banners and send some old white guys to diversity training. And they actually don't have to make any change to actually help people uh, who um, there's no, have, have less than them. Yeah. There's no charity involved. There's no actual mm -hmm. action involved. It's all about just aping this idea this ideology. We say the right things. It's like during Pride Month when every yeah. single yeah. company comes out with their rainbow logos that right. they put on their social media. Yeah. <laughs> well, not not the ones though for Saudi Arabia. Remember, no. or the no. ones for for Nigeria, just the ones for Western Europe and, and North America <laughs> and Australia. Right? God yeah. forbid, you know, because we can't we can't offend them. The one when you start to you tolerate well, the intolerant. It's sort of like how Disney refuses to uh, really showcase uh, black people in their um, movies when they market them in China. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. The Chinese really, they really don't like black people. No. Those, oh. I remember I had a, I had a professor um, who spent, I think he, he lived in Taiwan. He had a Taiwanese wife, I believe, a, a white Mormon, actually. Um, I think he was on mission, maybe. And he spent a lot of time in Korea and at the, the demilitarized zone at the 45th parallel the North Koreans actually requested that the American soldiers, because you know, there's soldiers there, both South Korean and American, mm -hmm. said, yeah. we don't want black soldiers there. Oh, like, shit. Like, like, like don't, do not put black soldiers there. I, I don't know what would happen if and, they did, but, but like they were requesting stuff like that. Jeez. At the beginning of the, um, the lockdowns in China, black people were being chased from their homes and their hotels. Jeez. Yeah. That's and crazy. Some, some leaders of African nations were calling them out for it no yeah. we didn't hear about it here we didn't hear about it. i didn't right. heard about that yeah <laughs> so but that is what happened and uh mm -hmm. because they blame them <laughs> as yeah. what were they unclean or something <laughs> that bullshit racist old yeah. idea yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> and and it's like you care so much about money when it comes to china as a company but you don't but in the u.s they don't have, they'll trade off money uh, making money as a company as long as they can sell in these other nations that don't have this culture war. 
That's insane. It's so, it, it reminds me so much, and I hate using Nazi comparisons. Uh, 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 <laughs> do, I, do I have to get the jar? I get oh, the okay, jar. Hold on, Latin. Hold on. Hold that thought. All right. Hold that thought. Yeah, looks like. I'm, right. Okay, it's my birthday, though. We it's my birthday. The last week. <laughs> I got my headset on. We introduced it last week, and we've started the uh, the Hitler, Nazi, <laughs> and Holocaust jar uh, that you have to put. So I actually have an IOU in there right now. <laughs> if you make references to uh, that are not like historic, but like a- actual references to uh, any of those topics, or right. I should probably add fascism to it, which I think that's why I had to put money in it last last week. <laughs> yeah. Last episode. But go ahead, Joe. I'll put an IOU for you in here. Um, go ahead. Okay, cool. Um, but um, during uh, like the late 1930s, before the U.S. got into World War II, they did uh, uh, like Hollywood was so afraid of pissing off Hitler. Um, I mean, it was insane. And, and Charlie Chaplin's uh, uh, The Great Dictator was one of the, the first major Hollywood films to make fun of Hitler. Brilliant, um, brilliant film. Yeah, I know it's, it's such a great film. I, I, okay, I, so this I, is actually I, a historical point. So this this yes. wouldn't go in the jar. Okay, okay. No, but, yeah, it, it, oh, I dropped the gun. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Well, I get to save that dollar. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 insane that 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 so many companies. Um, don't have the guts to say, you know, we don't like you guys, so fuck you. We're gonna do what we want. Um, I, I understand, you know, the monetary reasons for it, but I mean, Jesus Christ, grow a fucking backbone. I, I, and especially when you have like Disney shooting in Mulan, uh, uh, shooting Mulan in a part of China, or, or at least with the the part of the Chinese government that's uh, locking up the Uyghurs. Um, again, it's just a, little, a little casual ethnic, ethno-religious genocide. What, yeah. What's the big deal? Well, that see, they can get away with it because of cultural relativism. That's right. the thing is that it's like us in the West, we can't get away with anything, not even like using the wrong word. Right. But any other nation that is not Western, white, they can get away with anything as long as they say cultural relativism. We can't judge them. Yeah, yeah. it's a uh, catch-up because- thing. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. can't, can't argue with that it's a non sequitur yeah. and it's yeah um well even so they can't I, I think china's unique because they're so powerful like if a yeah. tiny nation was they're doing this I, I do think yeah. it would be a little different but yeah. even you know you have the the fucking worst like nba where the houston rockets owner i believe said something about basically like free hong kong which i tweet every single time i see lebron james tweet I, I <laughs> and so is this my little you know fight fight the power yeah. Um, and then he had to kowtow to him and LeBron James come out, came out and said, you know, in support of the CCP. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then he's, you know, talking about black lives matter. And so it's just all very hypocritical, but even the, the star of Mulan, I, I don't know the actress's name, but Mulan, yeah. she said something about that and they, you know, they bring you in and they say, well, you're going to change your opinion about that or else. Um, he did that to John Cena too. He said, "Oh yeah, Taiwan oh my is a god, that, that was crazy." Yeah, yeah Taiwan is a country, and they started start speaking Chinese. I thought, yeah. like, I thought it was dubbed or something. I, that was absolutely Wait, he, insane. He has spoken Chinese in the past, so that's not necessarily like completely I, new. I didn't for know him. that. Okay. Yeah, but the whole apologizing to China and, to say that Taiwan is a country—it's like it's this so, is—it's so disturbing to me and actually so here's another good because this kind of ties a lot of what we're talking together so um the 
disingenuous shithole YouTube and uh, <laughs> magazine, whatever called have you heard of vox um oh yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) i'm joking Uh, (laughs) you know they used they used to make like a lot like vice like a lot of these uh channels they used to make like kind of legit objective uh stories and cover things objectively somewhat you know more or less and so vox a while ago put out a video about this exact issue and it was really good it was was like probably 2016 about how china's taking over hollywood they're making their own Hollywood, how they only let in so many movies a year. And there's like different ways for American movies to get over there. And American movies all compete for it because uh, they're, you know, they're cash cows. And how there are things in American movies that the three of us wouldn't even realize. Oh, I realize. I talk about it on my channel back when I did movie Do you? reviews. Like, like certain drinks that they drink or certain like little things. Okay, okay. So And then also always like China is pivotal to saving Yes. Whatever's going on. Yes. That's yeah, the like there's that one. line. Yeah, there's that line. It's like, well, leave it to the Chinese or something. Or like, uh, fuck, what's his name? Um, Stanley Tucci's like drinking a certain drink that like they, and they kind of zoom up on. It's like, we wouldn't really, but it's like for them. Anyway, or, or you know, when um, uh, and, and Top Gun, Tom Cruise, I like take a patch off of his jacket because it was offensive to the Chinese for some reason. But anyway, so all of this, so basically, Box Pets is puts out this video and, and how uh, the big one was um, a character, <laughs> I should have my research on this better. Um, a, a character was supposed to be a Tibetan monk, but was replaced yeah. with, who's that actress? She's white and I think Irish. Oh, you're oh, talking about uh, Doctor Strange, Tilda Swinton. Doctor Strange, Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton, right, right, right. Yeah. And they changed her from a Tibetan monk to a white lady yeah. and um, to appease the Chinese, right? So, that, so that's good. That's objective reporting. That's good. But then Vox, after the Great Awakening, yeah. comes out with a video about like whitewashing movies. And they yeah. use that exact example. And oh, I comment geez. on it and I'm like, wait a minute, you guys put out a video four years four or five years ago, saying why Tilda Swinton's playing this Tibetan character, or su- supposed to, she's not playing Tibetan in the movie, I don't think, right? Yeah, she's, right, right. She's right, supposed like, to be Irish. Right, yeah, but yeah. who's supposed to be Tibetan, like, you covered this. Not only did you not do research into this, you covered this, and now, to fit the, the woke narrative, you've changed this. Like, that is so crazy to me, that, yeah. that the same company would, would use the same example uh, and just completely change its meaning. Well, it's kind of funny because, like, it's a kind of almost a joke at this point about the Guardian. You know, they put the picture of the writer on the on their articles. Yeah, and okay. and it's always the same picture of the writer. But like, you can go through all their articles, you know, for the for one writer and find one headline that contradicts the a, a newer headline yes. by the same author. Like yes. I can kind of get it in a publication that is a different author, a, a different writer yeah. behind right. the, the article saying something that doesn't agree with the previous writer. Right. But when it's the same writer, that's where it's like, oh my God, you, this, there's no excuse for this. Yeah, that, that that reminds me a little bit of I think Business Insider does something similar. With, with, with I, I I don't think the, the writers' uh, images are, are displayed, but but there was something where it was like um, somebody took screenshots of article titles from Business Insider, and they almost had the exact same format, the exact same topic, but just slightly different. And they they were all from the same author, 
but it was like, um, you know, what Steve Jobs said at this college uh, commencement thing uh, is, is, is peak emotional intelligence. And then it was like a few years later, this is uh, Elizabeth Holmes, her speech on this is peak emotional intelligence. And, and it was, but it was just like, but it was, it was all about emotional intelligence and it, but they just took a different CEO, tech CEO mm-hmm. or something like that. But it's like every single CEO apparently has lots of emotional intelligence. <laughs> well, a lot of that has to do with hitting SEO. Yes. yes. Like, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. a big sure. chunk of that. Like, we, yeah. I mean, Tim Pool talks about it the idea that they noticed yeah. a, a skyrocket in clicks when they have words like racist and sexist and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. then Ryan Wong has that beautiful freaking piece where he, he's like, basically, he has, we have a, a subject, we have a, a problem and we we match them together and that's how we get our articles and he's like he, he has like oh uh uh hiking and he's like hiking is sexist hiking is racist and at the yeah. same time underneath him are actual headlines yes <laughs> from you, that have been published do that are that? The, what he's saying yeah <laughs> do you remember that south park episode years ago when it was about like drawing muhammad and then it was family guy and it was like the manatees or something just picking balls Mm -hmm. and and it was like oh that makes a a family guy sketch it was like muhammad salmon helmet like door it's like remember that time when muhammad brought a salmon helmet or something like that's what these are but the, the balls are much the balls are confined to like trans activism racism and like a few things and then just everything else in the pot somebody somebody did did a, a short youtube uh sketch on that and it was you know, i think it was called how vice writes their articles and it was the exact same thing vice? it was like yeah yeah that um, de- it actually depresses me but go ahead I'll, I'll... yeah yeah vice used to be pretty cool but uh, um but it, it was like so cool yeah what well, didn't tim pool used to write for them wasn't yeah, that he yeah. Off. yeah yeah he, was yeah, covering... he like i'm sorry joe you, you finish what you're saying oh, yeah. and then, I, and then uh, i'll Get my requiem lacrimosa for vice. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, it was like this very generic, uh, like millennial author, and he's got long hair and it's in a man bun or whatever. And then, uh, um, and so he's sitting at his desk, and then he's like, hmm, okay, like I, this is what my next article is going to be. And so he picks up like one of those those really large dildos with the, with the like with the <laughs> suction cup, and he's got three like whiteboards, and one of and so like one is just like um, ethnicity. And then uh, types of bigotry, and then um, some kind of activity or something like that. So, so, so he, he gets the dildo and he throws it at, at <laughs> and then and then he's okay. Got my new article, and it was like it, it was like Mad Libs. It was and this is a real article. That's but what it, it is, it, Mad Libs. It, yeah. it, but it, it was like a Colombian <laughs> uh, a, a transgender Colombians uh, and and the drug trade or something like that. But it was like it's like it's Mad Libs. It's like refrigerator magnet poetry. Take different things, put them together. And like, okay, I, I, I'm checking off all the boxes. Yeah. yeah, and it's like Vice. These are the guys who used to talk to ISIS, go yeah. to North Korea, yeah. go to like Belfast, and talk about tensions between Catholics and Protestants and stuff. And now their articles are like serials racist, and yeah. it's like, yeah. what happened, to you guys? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, and then look at the gaming journalism. That is, oh, I saw that. So I was on your YouTube channel. I, I'm not a gamer. I, I used to be like grow, like growing up and into college, but I've. And I don't know, Joe, if you are, I'm not sure. No, but, not really. All right, so do you want to enlighten us on the yeah, gaming let's talk world? About that. Or, or, or should so, I not? Because it'll just depress me. Well, gaming journalism has been a joke for a while. Um, but, like, now they constantly talk about things like, I put my vibrating uh, console controller up my ass. 
keep and going. Then, What's wrong with that? Yeah, keep 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 <laughs> going. It's like no, what? And yeah, then like yeah. I, and then like game reviews are are not game reviews. They don't tell you how the game plays. They tell you, and in fact, sometimes they're like it's too too much like a game and it's like it's a video game <laughs> i expect it to be like a game yeah, not yeah. like one actually one and then, and then like oh this is problematic because of blah 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 and right, they, right. they went after cyberpunk 2077 hardcore and one of the reasons why is because it's cd project red game and they're not owned by any like chinese company um. and and like if you look, if you follow the like ownership lines of a lot of ga- like traditional games journalism companies, they're mm. they're all owned in China essentially. Oh. So and and some of them actually, if you follow it back down, own other developers and publishers. Mm. So they're not they have a really relationship, which is that's what Gamergate was actually about was about wanting games journalism to be. Uh, you know, ethically sound to be on the up and up. Right. Like you tell us what kind of relationship you already have with the developer, and um, and then they said, "Oh no, it's racist. It's sexist. That's what, mostly it's sexist." And, and sure. when they do bring up Gamergate, they never once bring up the "Not Your Shield" counter movement, which is what's, a bunch of people like me. You know, women people of color who are like we are not your fucking shield for criticism (laughs) like if you are screwing up that's on you that has nothing to do with our demographics and uh they totally erase that entire counter movement right i mean wasn't christina hoff summers um like a big part of the the gamergate thing Um, one of the biggest names to come out of it is anita sarkeesian oh yes she says every everything's racist everything's sexist and my point and she i she's the one who really woke me up to this idea that these are grifters because the idea Mm -hmm. that she chooses something that has absolutely nothing to do uh with anything quantifiable yes right because if it's not quantifiable then she can say it's a forever war and is forever important and forever paid. Um, Because it's like, you wanna talk about something in games that actually needs to be fixed. How about gambling mechanics in video games Mm -hmm. that are hitting children? Mm -hmm. And and nope, that's not, that's that's quantifiable. And that's that's a real issue, but she wants to be important to feminism and Oh, God, she's so dumb. So, I, she I, sucks. I, say it. I, mean, <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, I don't. I honestly don't know if this has happened yet, but I, I could see it happening. Has the uh, woke craziness gotten to the point where there's like avatar blackface? Like, if you can't have a, you know, how you can like choose an avatar for games, you could be yeah. yourself, whatever. You, are. you could be a a wizard, a fairy, whatever it is. Like, or are they like, well, if you're not this race you can't have this yeah, race avatar it's, it's the space buns uh issue What's uh, that? so some girl was playing um animal crossing and uh. she was not black she was white her character was white in the game but she was had uh um uh, the these two buns on her head but they were um it was like uh african africo hair so uh. they called it they called them um afro poofs and she uh-huh. called them space buns they said you shouldn't be able to have space buns if your character isn't black you know and you shouldn't and you can't call them space buns and it was such a big deal that she like got off twitter she Uh, 
and and it's it was huge and it was ridiculous it's like this is animal crossing yeah like, <laughs> like i'm i'm an orc like like in fantasy they keep saying that orcs are coded racism and it's oh, like, god right. damn it like, <laughs> and it's like, no they're not you're racist thought, oh, you yeah. orcs and see black people you're the racist yeah right. i grew up i grew up one of my favorite games of all time was warcraft and like the strategy game not world of warcraft like the pre mm-hmm. stuff before that yeah. And so when the, and the movie sucked, um, but I remember it sucked not because it was racist, like it sucked for other reasons. But I remember that being a thing that's like, and that was pretty early in all of this craziness. I don't know when that came out, but it was probably 20, like mid 2010s. And I remember being, it's like, oh, Warcraft is really just about like white imperialism. I was like, it's not about knights and elves and shit like what are you talking about even if you about? were going to say that the orcs were coded black people which the coded thing to me is always like so you mean stereotypes okay right. you're saying stereotypes there's <laughs> a fancy word for that yeah um but the problem with that interpretation is that the orcs came to the uh humans land in that movie yeah the, uh, the, so yeah, it doesn't even work right as there. a metaphor for white yeah. imperialism <laughs> right right is it, isn't that frustrating though where where like completely apolitical things get politicized like like forms of pop culture and entertainment get politicized i mean I, did you guys hear about that knitting thing that happened a while back mm-hmm. um god that was ridiculous and um the the and, and, and vox of course published an article about it but again it was like it was people boxes, lo- boxes on it i know yeah. <laughs> <on the> <laughs> better that's investigate but that's I the thing though it's, like, it's just people saying- hunting they keep saying that everything is political. All yeah. things are political. The personal is political or whatever. Yeah. And if you yeah. don't care about politics, it's because you're privileged. And yeah. so I know a lot of people who are very unprivileged, who are like really like, scraping by and they don't yeah, give like, two I have to shits work. about <laughs> politics <laughs> yeah. because of that. Yeah. And it's like, that's not privilege. Right. Yeah. But then like, and that's why we have such bad like media. So, so like we have bad novels, we have bad video games from major publishers we have bad movies from major studios yeah. we have bad tv shows from major studios because they don't care about the the craft behind it all they care about is the message yep. because yep. everything's political to them and it's like yeah. it's not yeah yeah <laughs> i think there has to come because i don't think it's working though like the numbers are down on lots of these uh properties and um you know, forms of entertainment and media, the biggest one, obviously, yeah. um, you know, very average podcasts do a lot better than shows <laughs> on the major networks. It's, yeah. it's yeah. just the numbers. And like, eventually you'd have to think that they're going to stop or that they're <laughs> like, I don't know. Like the they, thing they can't. Is though, they think if they crush all the other indie sources, if they get yeah. rid of them all, then you have to watch their stuff. You have to consume their stuff. The problem is that's not true. (laughs) Well, that's what Joe and I started this podcast. Actually, a big part of that was to amplify indie artists and what we call dangerous artists or people who are just doing their own thing. It doesn't matter. It could be very liberal, very conservative or not political at all. Just doing their own thing and not uh, giving into the gatekeepers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it looks like we only have a few minutes left here, but, uh, um, yeah. Is there any last minute things that, uh, anyone want to bring up real quick? Alex, do you, so in three minutes, can you, in your own words, say 
why writers are the worst people in the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, writers who don't actually want to promote empathy in writing, mm -hmm. but want to promote ideology mm -hmm. and propaganda and the publishers yeah. behind them that they want, want to do the same thing, they are the worst people in the world. Yeah. The writers mm -hmm. who are still pushing for empathetic depictions of characters, regardless of the demographics of those characters, regardless of their own personal demographics, those people are awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they do exist, they're out there, yeah. and, yeah. And, it, and it's worth taking the time to try to find them. <laughs> yeah, I, I say that as a writer, I don't associate with many writers, well, except for you, of course. But, uh, <laughs> And I've actually I've actually changed that a little. I think writers are the second worst group. It's that journalists have taken over as the worst people in the world, and lawyers are a close third, which I also am. So I can say these things. Yeah. <laughs> except, for, except for journalists, I'm not a journalist, and they are horrible. I I lump them in in writers. Yeah. Uh, uh, don't do that. I would. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Well, I do when I when I talk about writers against woke ideology, I do talk about journalism a lot because there is a there is it's a specific kind of craft of writing, but it is still there's a point to it. Uh, you know, it's still a communication form, uh, and you're trying to get a story out there. And but the problem is when you're lying, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Then you're not a journalist at that point. You're a <laughs> well, propagandist. Yeah. All right, Alex, um, thank you for joining us. And uh, uh, why don't you let our audience know where, where they can find you? All right, I stream on my own channel, Alex Ball Trades. And I stream with my friend Caleb Beers on his channel, which is Caleb Beers, uh, where we talk about nonfiction books a lot. And um, I'm not on Twitter because I got banned, but I am well, on we, Facebook. We'll talk about that next time. Yeah. <laughs> I am on bad. Facebook as Alex Maselli. Um, and a lot of other places. I have my own Discord channel, that kind of stuff, which you can find links to all of those on my YouTube channel. Awesome. Right. Yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be sure that. to link, yeah, we'll put we'll those links in, in the YouTube description. And uh, yeah, thank you for joining us. Ben, uh, stay reckless, man. Stay reckless, Joe. Yeah, and- yeah, Stay Alex, reckless, Alex. Yeah, Alex, stay reckless. Stay too. reckless too. <laughs> I definitely. <laughs> all right, thanks everybody. <laughs>